Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Lord's Day, God. We pray that your name would be lifted high. God, we pray that your people would be built up. Father, we pray that the lost would be convicted and that you would draw them to yourself, Father. Lord, I pray that I would decrease to nothing and that you would use me, Father, to build everybody up, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move tonight, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. Tonight we'll be looking at a clear gospel message found in Titus 3 here. We're going to be going through verses 3 through 5. Go to Hebrews and then back a little and then you're there. That's how I remember. Okay, so just a recap of this small letter. Um, Paul starts off this letter to, written to his brother Titus, a brother in Christ who is shepherding the church uh, in Crete. Uh, he tells them instructions to bring order to the church. Uh, he gives instructions on elder qualifications. Uh, he also tells Titus that there are those there that need rebuking. Paul goes on to explain to Titus that uh, he needs to be teaching all people, male, female, free men, slave, young, old, how they are to act and conduct themselves in the faith. Uh, We see, Paul says, that is the same grace that brought salvation to all these kinds of different people, is the same grace that that teaches them to live rightly, uh, to deny ungodliness, to live uh, godly lives, and to be zealous for good works. Paul also gives several virtues that they're to have. And then here we are, verse 3, chapter 3. Verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior... Toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, we ourselves were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Paul is talking... Uh, about himself and Titus, he says, we ourselves, um, he says, they too were wicked and evil, just like these Cretans that Titus is to be shepherding over. Uh, but we can all say, also say that this we are believers at one time. We ourselves. Can you identify with any of these fruits of unbelief? I know I can. Um, or maybe you're not saved. Maybe Maybe I just described you right there, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Before we dig more into that, I want to take a couple takeaways, two takeaways um, at looking at this verse. Uh, One is that there's great humility in remembering the state from which God saved you, the, the state from which God saved you from, and what he saved you from. 
Uh, I, I think of Ephesians 5, 8, where Paul says, You were once darkness. You were once darkness. Now you are children of the light. You were a stranger. If you were in Christ at one time, you were a stranger to God before he saved you. Now you are an adopted son or daughter of the king. Two, when we read this, we can take away that when we're dealing with the lost, there is no attitude of superiority because we ourselves were once one of these people. We ourselves had these wicked traits. When we're dealing with the lost, we, are long, we must be long-suffering. No room for a Christian is there an attitude of superiority, like here we are high and mighty. If, that's what you, if that is your attitude, you, ha- you need to reread your New Testament. You need to reread the whole Bible. Uh, we too were in the same unregenerate state. The Christian does not exalt himself over an unbeliever, and the same goes we don't for the for our struggling our struggling brethren. This should bring about a gentleness in us when we read that we ourselves this was part of our nature. It's important to note that we we were we believers or you if you're lost. Um, these aren't just mere adjectives. We were active in these sins. You weren't just lustful. You were enslaved to that lust. You weren't just hateful. You were hateful. You were uh, active in hating one another. Malice. Malice isn't a word we use a lot today. Uh, definition. Malice means is the, is the desire to do evil. We didn't just have a desire to do evil. We, it says we... We lived and dwelled in a state of evil intention and actions. This description fits our depraved nature before Christ. The more we understand and see our depravity, where we were, or where you are right now if you don't trust Christ, the more we see that depravity, the more we rejoice and glorify God and praise his name from changing us from that living in malice, enslaved to lust, and changing us, regenerating us, renewing us into the people we are today. Amen. So do you realize, do, do we think about that when we read these? Oh, that's, that's not me, that's the old man. Yes, it's the old man, but, but don't forget where God brought you from. Do you realize you were dead? You were dead in your sin. And all that was left for you, believer, was God's wrath and punishment for eternity. You weren't just sinking. You were dead at the bottom of the ocean. You weren't waiting for someone to throw you a life preserver. You're, you were dead at the bottom of the ocean. Do you re- Lost sinners, do you realize that right now that description is of you spiritually? You are spiritually dead. And, and the wrath of God abides upon you. If you are living in rejection to this gospel and you refuse to repent and believe, this is, this is serious stuff. It's, we can't gloss over this. The problem we have in America, this seeker-sensitive, is, is this, these scriptures are not taken seriously. This isn't a fairy tale. This is talking about you. It's talking about me. It's not. These aren't my indictments against you. It's not new life's indictments against you when we read about this stuff. This is God's indictment about you if you continue to reject this gospel. Or these were indictments against you before God saved you. So we see, we see in verse 3 
a picture of man's nature. And in verse 4, is almost a juxtaposition of God's. Verse 4 we have, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, we see man, degenerate nature, verse 3. Verse 4, we see a glimpse of part of God's nature, kindness and love appearing. Kindness is part of his nature. We see it all around us. He sustains, he sustained you while you were in this unregenerate state. He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. He was patient with you, believer, while you were in that state. And if he solely acted on his justice, another attribute of him, he would be 100% righteously justified to crush us after the first sin we committed. But we can't talk about just the wrath of God without talking about the other parts of him and his nature, his kindness and his love towards man. And we'll get into that. Sinners hate God. There is nothing in us, nothing in us that deserves God's love. I encourage you to read Romans 1, Romans 3, uh, plenty of other places. First John says we're children of the devil. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, to highlight our descript, our man's natural description and nature in God's. Okay, God hating. This will help us see God's goodness and mercy when we understand our sinfulness. God is not like us. We don't typically have pity on people. We don't have pity typically, and we don't have love usually, especially before we save us. It's usually against our nature on people who hate us, right? And initially, if I hear about something like that, I'm like, oh, well, that person, eh. That, what is God's reaction? Before God saved us, we were like, okay, his, his love and kindness is magnified because he saved us according to his mercy. He saved us in spite of our worthless and unrighteous works. He saved us, um, sorry, he would have been perfectly, like I said, perfectly justified and killing us and sending us to hell after that first sin because of our rejection of the gospel. But instead, for those who believe, he showed his mercy and saved us. His love and kindness is greatly displayed or shown in the gospel. Right? It says his love and kindness appeared toward man. That appeared means to bring, uh, make, make visible, uh, come to light, uh, bring something to light, to shine forth. Uh, think of a dark room. You turn the light on, all of a sudden, everything in the room is brought to light. You can see. So, <clears throat> if you have been saved, when his love and kindness appeared, it became visible, it came into light, it was noticed when he saved us. His redeeming work in saving a lost sinner shows his love and kindness towards them. Verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Not by works of righteousness. According to God's standard, there is nothing righteous about the works of a lost sinner. There was nothing righteous about your works before God saved you. I just imagine your works of righteousness with like air quotes on it because like we don't ha- we don't have works of righteousness apart from Christ and we definitely don't before it um, 
In fact, they're like filthy rags. Um, the love and kindness of God has never uh, and will never appear by a lost sinner's work of righteousness. The word saved, not by works of righteousness you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved. Uh, saved means to, to keep safe, to, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. The, what is the danger and destruction we're saved of? You know, it's, we, I grow guilty. I'm guilty of growing numb to stuff. Yeah, God saved us, but he rescued us from danger and destruction. What was that? It's the holy and just wrath of God being poured out upon us for eternity. He saved us from, from hell, from eternal damnation. Because of our rejection of, of God, refusing to trust God. We're serial offenders of God's law. That's what we deserve. We deserve that. And again, this is highlighting his goodness. That's what we deserve. This is why it is by his mercy he saves us. God is merciful to the lost sinner. Okay, don't, don't mishear me. We're talking some hard stuff. Wrath, hell, destruction, crushing, right? But don't, don't let's not gloss over. He is merciful to the lost sinner whom he saves. He is patient towards the lost sinner, not wishing for any to perish, but to come to repentance. Uh, back in chapter 2, Paul says, Jesus gave himself for us that he may redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify us for himself. Our sin is greater than we know. Like that song we sing, his mercy is more. He saved us according to his mercy, not getting what we deserve. I hope I make the case that we, de- we don't deserve anything good from God. But it is in his nature, his love and his kindness, that he saves us, not by anything we do. It all points back to him, and it causes us to praise his name if he has saved you. And if, you, and if you're hearing this and you're lost, God can save, trust, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it yourself. You know that. You know that. And that's what the scriptures testify here. You cannot save yourself. Wash, okay. He saved us according to his mercy, and it was manifested in two things. According to this text, we are saved through these two things, washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The word through, uh, the Greek word is dia, which means through, on account of, or because of. He saved us by means of, or via, uh, by way of the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We are saved because... He washed us in regeneration and renewed us by the Spirit. These two things God did. Man is utterly, we are utterly incapable of making ourselves clean. By a new birth, we are incapable of being renewed by our own efforts. Why? Because lost sinners, as lost sinners, we do what we love, and that's sin. We don't do what we hate, which is obeying God, or those who don't trust Christ. They don't obey God. They do what they love. They sin. All of us, before we were saved. They go together, washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. You can't have one without the other. It's a point-in-time thing at conversion. Regeneration is another term. Sometimes I, I kind of like this. I was looking it up a little bit. 
And you see it in biology sometimes, uh, referring to new growth or to produce a new. Think about when you scrape your arm, right? You, you scrape off a layer of skin um, and it regenerates. New skin grows back. Uh, when a person is regenerated by God, their old, spiritually dead soul is made new. They're reborn um, or born again, as we, as we hear often in church. Uh, this regeneration or rebirth takes place at conversion, when we are changed from children of darkness to children of light. John 3 mentions this new birth, Jesus. Jesus mentions this in John 3. Uh, I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. Uh, John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born, uh, born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel... That I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we have this new birth, reborn. But there's a washing that's accompanied with this, the washing of regeneration. Um, being made clean comes, from, comes with this new birth, our, our nasty filth from sin, um, and the guilt of our sin is washed away, and we are made clean. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, or 24 through 27. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Uh, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of, the, out of all countries, bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So Paul is saying, regeneration washed us. Washed us from what? Previous wicked selves. From that nature that we see the fruit of in verse 3. Foolish, disobedient, serving various lusts, uh, living in malice, hateful, hating one another. So number two, we have the renewing of the Holy Spirit. What is the renewing of the Holy Spirit? It accompanies regeneration. Remember I said you can't have one without the other. He says renewing of the Holy Spirit, or washing regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's the change of nature that takes place when we're born again. We also see the same word used in Romans 12, 2. And in that verse, we see a transformation that's associated with renewal. I'll, I'll flip there real quick. Read that verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you will prove that uh, what is good and acceptable and perfect uh, will of God. So God gives us a new heart when he regenerates us. Uh, makes us. He makes us more like Christ when he renews us. A new person who is less like 
your old self and more like Christ. I encourage you further to look up John 14 to see more uh, what the Holy Spirit's role is uh, in the believer's life. Um, Kind of too much to get into all that tonight, but I do encourage you to look up John 14. Okay, so both regeneration and renewal uh, in these verses are point-in-time events. Happen at conversion, like I said. If you're born again, these do happen. Uh, the The washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit saves us, not by works of righteousness. When you are regenerated and renewed, you will be new. This, like I just said, it, this happens. You will be different. His word says you will be reborn. You'll be made new. To think that you will remain the same and have the same relationship with sin and unrighteousness and righteousness is absolutely absurd. It's not a check the box, I did that Jesus thing. I did that thing in Sunday school when I was a kid. I went up to the front, I you know, I said the prayer. I'm not saying God doesn't save people through that, but it's not a check the box thing. According to these verses, it's saying you will be regenerated. These are big ser- serious changes that take place in your life. And you're not going to wake up the next morning um, perfectly holy. It's a, it's a process in refining and sanctification, but your relationship with sin will be different. You will be a different person, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new has come, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Um, does, this, does everything in verse 3, that list of uh, deeds of, of, of wickedness, attributes of your unregenerate self, are these, do these all still apply to you on a regular basis? Are we living in it? Are we practicing it? If the answer is yes, have you really been regenerated? Have you, been re, have you really been renewed? This is how God saves people, by regenerating them and renewing them by the Holy Spirit. They are born again, you're purified of your sins, and because of that, you are new. We, are, we as Christians that must never lose our astonishment at the gospel. The gospel is what does this. The gospel is what saves us. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, his perfect life, not once did he not love the Lord his God, not for a fraction of a second with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. The righteousness, <clears throat> the righteousness that God demands from us, he did. And he went to Calvary and was crushed for our sins. And what do we get in return is the righteousness of Christ so we can stand before God one day with a righteousness that's not our own so that we can dwell with God one day. This is what God has done. We must never lose our astonishment at at that gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never should grow dull of it. It it is always profound in our lives. We read texts like this, it ought to just make us stop and go to our knees and cry out to God and say, thank you for saving me. Or you read this and you're lost and say, what is this regeneration? What is this renewal? I don't know. It ought to be a warning. Am I renewed? Do I still? Is is he still describing my nature in in that verse 3? must never grow dull to the gospel and its power to save undeserving sinners. In this chapter, Paul says he wants to affirm these things constantly. 
to those who have believed so that they should be careful to maintain good works. That is a whole, I would love to get more into that, but he's affirming these things constantly, those who believe so that they would be careful to maintain good works. To you who are not born again, this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. On the third day he rose and was seen by many. Not by our works, but by what he did according to his mercy. And because of that, we're regenerated and we're made new. That's the gospel. We've clearly shown, lost sinner, you've clearly been shown from scripture that there's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's all over the Bible and we've seen it tonight. Your lack of righteousness, you lack the righteousness to be acceptable to God. And because of your sin and rejection of this gospel... You are separated from God, and you're at enmity with him. And he knows your most heinous sins. You can hide your sins from a lot of people around you, but God knows. He knows about your pornography. He knows about your hate. He knows about how you treat your wife or you treat your husband. And you will give an account to God one day for that. But you've also been shown from Scripture that God Part of his nature is love. He is love, and he has kindness, and he has mercy, and he, and he can save the most vile sinner. Don't just take away God's justice and God's wrath tonight. Take away that God is good and that he is patient. You've been shown that he will make you new and he will transform you. And if you're, if you're a believer and you're struggling with sin... And it's that same old sin. Remember what God's word says about you if you are truly born again. That sin is no longer your master. You are reborn. You are regenerated. I spend too much time acting like I'm not. Acting like, man, I'm always going to struggle with this sin. And you do too. We give, we give sin too much power in our lives. And we need to be reminded that there is a literal regeneration renewal that takes place when you were born again and we need to start acting like it pity party all this time all the time i can do that and and i'm sure you do too about these little sins some and big sins too but remember what god's word says about you if you're born again and remember if you're lost that there is a that's a promise you will be regenerated and you will be you will be made renew renewed (laughs) you will be made new um so For the believer, there's encouragement tonight about what Christ has done for you. There's encouragement about what Christ has done for you in spite of your undeserving self. And lost sinner, tonight the alarm has been sounded. You know your house is on fire. It's engulfed with flames. Get out and run. Run to Christ. Turn from your sin and be reconciled to God. He can save you. Repent, turn from your sins, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's too much at stake. It's not a suggestion. Your eternal destination is what's on the line. There's no do-overs. Today, a co-worker, an indirect co-worker this week, 33 years old, dropped of a heart attack at work today, or the other day. And you never know. that it's. It, he, I don't even know if he made it through the weekend. But you never know, 33 years old, you never know when that day, when death is coming. So I urge you, be reconciled to God.
Remember what God has done for you if you are saved. Be astonished at the gospel and don't grow dull of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, and Lord, there just are no words to express what you do for the lost sinner, God. There's no words to describe fully your love and your kindness that is shown in the saving of sinners by your mercy, Father. So, Lord, I pray that we would always be fervent, God, always never abandon the hope of the gospel. Lord, and I pray that tonight we'd be encouraged and challenged if needed, Father. But most of all, God, I pray that you'd be glorified and your name would be lifted high. Lord, I pray that we would tremble at your word and that we'd be humble, Father. You are so good to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.